Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 14 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Summer Dental Laboratories in Zionsville, Indiana. I'm Barbara Wojan from Knight Dental Group, Oldsmar, Florida. How's everybody doing? We are doing good. How are you, Barb? Yay! I'm fantastic. Nice. It's way too pretty in Florida right now. I've already had a glass of wine. I'm chilling with my family. That's hilarious. By the pool. It's 9 a.m. in the morning, well. Barb. It's 9 a.m. What the hell? <laughs> It's uh three thirty. Okay. Just so uh, okay, well, just so I'm clear. We'll let it slide. Three thirty. It's nine AM <laughs> and it's Wednesday. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the difference. Don't lie. Come on. <laughs> well, today we have an interesting, wonderful interview we had with Chris Bormis from Preet. Yay. I'm sure everyone knows Chris. If you don't, then get outside more often. I was trying to think of the first time I met Chris, and I want to say it was probably Chicago Lab Day ooh, five, six years ago. <laughs> but I think before I even met him, we became friends on Facebook. You know how you become friends oh, on yeah. Facebook with people you really don't know? Yep. Oh, sure. It's like, <laughs> See everything. If you look on my Facebook, I'm an extrovert and know everybody. But I used to do a thing when my wife and I first got married is when I'd go out into stores or antique places or something, they had letters. You know, you, you commonly see letters on mugs oh, yeah. or famous around Christmas times. They do it on stockings. And I would always spell the word ass, take a picture of it, leave it. And send it to my wife, and I put it on Facebook, and Chris thought it was the funniest thing I ever did. And when I saw him in Visions, he mentioned it to me, and I think ever since then, he was instantly a good guy. That's my Chris story. So. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. You have the Barbara approval for your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm stamping that. You're welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris and Preet are one of those things you can always count on. If you get something in your lab, you know, implant or attachment related, or you're just not sure what it is, or you just needed a second opinion, you know, the the people at Preet are always available to help. And my favorite part is, even if they don't carry the product to sell you, they're still going to lead you in the direction you need to go. So they are just a a vast collective of knowledge when it comes to implants and attachments. So major kudos to Chris and the whole team of Preet. Awesome. All right, so let's get on with the interview. Chris Bormis from Preet. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. I'd like to thank Chris Bormis from Preet joining us today. If uh, if nobody knows who this gentleman is, you're either living under a rock or you need to get to know him because he is everywhere. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Thank you, Elvis, and thank you, Barb. I appreciate you being on. So like I mentioned, you're with the company Preet. Tell me, when did that company start? What's the whole idea behind the company Preet? Sure. So the company was started by my father, uh, Tom Bormas, back in 1980. And previous to that, he had got into the industry back in the 60s. Uh, His first job out of college was as a management trainee with Patterson Dental. And the first time he paid a visit to a laboratory, he fell in love with it. 
And he went to the laboratory owner and he said, hey, will you teach me dental technology? And the guy kind of blew him off and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my dad offered to come and clean the plaster traps and sweep the floor and scrape wax. And, and the owner said, okay, sure, kid, you know, come on in at nights and do that. And after a couple weeks of doing that, the owner said, okay, this kid's for real and taught him dental technology. And soon after that, he got into attachments, um, started bringing in, you know, the first uh, precision attachments from Switzerland, from Belgium, from uh, Europe. I started a company that was purchased by Sterngold. Uh, he ran Sterngold for a number of years. And in 1980, he uh, decided he wanted to start a company where he could really focus on service, especially technical service. And the question gets asked a lot, you know, what does the name Preet mean? And it goes back to, you know, the old days when you had the slide carousels and you travel with these huge, you know, suitcases of slides and you'd have a flip pad during your presentations and courses. And he got tired of writing out the term precision attachment. So he developed a shorthand P-R-E-A-T uh, for precision attachment. And that's how this weird, crazy name became the name of the company. And it was funny because when I joined him in 1997, somehow our UPS labels on all of our shipments, one of the employees there put instead of from Pre Corporation, said from Chris Pre, And so for years, people thought my name was Chris Pre, And I still have people come up today and call me that. I love that story. That is so cool. I didn't know your dad was into dental technology. I didn't know you were second generation. I like you even more now. That's really, really cool. So thank you for that. It was really fun because as a kid, you know, I would ride my skateboard, uh, you know, down to the office, you know, holidays, weekends, summers, and do filing and I'd play with attachments and play with models and, you know, later on implants. And, you know, it was something that was so fun. Everything seemed like a Lego to me. And, uh, uh, you know, it was something I tried to get out of. I, I really did not try and go into the industry. Um, I got my first degree in accounting and worked downtown San Francisco for a couple of years as an accountant, wearing a shirt and tie. And I hated it, absolutely hated it. And, uh, he and I went through a series of, of talks for about six months to see if it was something that was worth doing. And, you know, one of the conditions was I had to go to, you know, a dental technology school. And so, you know, I enrolled in the program at City College of San Francisco run by Mr. Potter, which was a fantastic experience. And, you know, there were certain things that I was fantastic at. There were certain things I was lousy at, but it was it was a great learning experience and really gave me a good foundation as well as, you know, what, what I've learned from my dad over the years. I mean, that can't be understated. So I love what I do. I think I have the best job in the world. Yeah, that's that's kind of like I was when I was a kid. And I used to go in and make model patties and draw on the board. And I was always around it. But I never really knew that I yeah. wanted to do it until my dad gave me a nudge. So that's a really cool story. I love it. So you actually went to a dental technology school. Did you ever work in a lab or did you go directly to working with your dad at Pre? So I have never made my living at the bench, which I think is a good thing because when I was in at school, uh, Mr. Potter called my dad up one day and he said, hey, you know, Chris is a great kid. He's got the highest scores in the class. You know, the rest of the students go to him to ask questions. And I can just imagine my, my dad having that pride going, yeah. And then, and then comes the kicker. He says, but you know, he's got the worst hands I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, when he stacks porcelain, it looks like a marble. He's always asking for somebody to help him with the hands-on stuff. And it's true. I have terrible hands. Um, I'm not artistic at all. And so it's one of the things I have so much admiration and appreciation 
you know, for technicians, because honestly, it's something I'm not good at the artistic side. Yeah. So never made my living at the bench. So basically you can talk the game, but you can't play the game. You know, if I, if I had to sit at the bench, I'm sure I could do it. Um, One of my favorite parts, and I've done this a couple days this week is when we uh, do testing in our laboratory at pre is I'll sit down and uh, set attachments, work on implant stuff, teeth. And, um, you know, I spent uh, probably about three quarters of a day this week working in our lab and I love it. It's fantastic. But then, of course, I don't have the pressure of getting it out the door, making sure everything's beautiful. You know, my stuff can look lousy, but be functional. Nice. So your dad brought the first attachments over? Or were there already attachments here? What were some of the first attachments that you guys started selling? This is going to be kind of a tough one to answer. So if if I was sitting in the office, I could pull out some of the material from the 60s and 70s. And, you know, my my dad retired about two months ago. And so before he retired, I had tons of literature and manuals going back to the 60s and 70s. Now I have even more. You know, some of the early stuff I remember was the the Dalbos. Yeah. Are there a lot of attachments that you guys sold when the company started that are still around now? Absolutely. We, we, we still service a lot of cases that have been in the mouth for, you know, 40 years, um, whether it be Dalbos, Rothermans, which, as Elvis knows, uh, <laughs> you can't find anymore. <laughs> oh, they're harder and harder. Yes. Harder and harder, yeah. You know, we still see a lot of bar cases, you know, whether it be you know, hater bars, round bars. When you get into the 80s and implants, you know, we're still seeing a lot of the, the smooth staples and, and stuff like that. You know, of course, Sika's back in the 80s, Shiner Magnets, you know, in the 90s, you had the ERA takeover. You know, of course, Locator in the 2000s. So it's, uh, we see basically four to five generations of attachments. Uh, That's amazing. Awesome. So how many of the attachments do you guys make and how many of them do you resell? Yeah, so we have a, a wonderful relationship with our friends at Zest, and that goes back to the mid-70s when Max Zest, who founded Zest Anchors. I had no idea there was a guy named Zest. Yeah, Z-U-E-S-T, Max oh. Zest. He and, Jim, he and Jim Shiner were partners in one of the biggest laboratories in Southern California at the time. You know, Max Zest was a mad scientist kind of guy. Jim Shiner was absolute gentleman, businessman. They decided to kind of go their separate ways. Max opened up Zest Anchors. Uh, Jim Shiner worked with us and developed the Shiner Magnet. And my dad and Max uh, worked together on manufacturing and, and marketing the first Zest Anchor <laughs> attachment, which, again, we still service nowadays 45 sure. years later. Very popular still. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a really nice relationship with the folks at Zest. You know, when, when Paul introduced the locator, you know, with help on that. It was a wonderful system. And so outside of working with Zest and we distribute their full line of products and work hand in hand with them, I'm going to say 95% of the other attachments we sell, we manufacture. Really? Yeah. We make those here in the United States. Interesting. And how many employees do you have at this time? I'll answer that a different way. How's that? Sure. So when we moved into our facility in Grover Beach in December, 2014, I thought we had a ton of space and we'd be there for 10 years. Um, we're already pushing at the seams and I have a 12 to 18 month window to find a bigger facility. So we're wow. we're doubling every three years on average. And it's it's a lot of fun because we, we have a great team. I mean, it really is fun to go to work when you have a team of committed professionals and everybody's working towards the same goal. You know, we, we want to, we joke around about making our customers look good, but it, it is like that old Vidal Sassoon commercial. You know, if, 
if you know if Elvis and Summer Dental Laboratories don't look good, we don't look good. Yeah. It, it really is a lot of fun, and uh, I, I really, I truly enjoy the people that I have the opportunity to work with. And on that note, I would love to give props to Ruben, who has been a great resource for implant identification for me and Summer. So Ruben Arebolo is a fantastic guy. Um, even even if we didn't work together, I, I would still call him a great friend. I have a ton of admiration for him. He's a He's a great family man. He's, he's a great dental technician. He, he runs the whole show. It, it is. He runs the day-to-day, all the operations. And he's gotten so good at implant identification. You know, my implant ID muscles have kind of atrophied. He was out yesterday and, you know, we probably got a dozen in and I could handle most of them. But there was one or two. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't do this one anymore. And uh, <laughs> I was embarrassed to admit it. But he's he really does a fantastic job. He's he's an absolute asset to the industry. How many implant x-rays do you guys get in in a day to identify? You know, it, it could range anywhere on a slow day to a dozen, up to two dozen on, on a heavy day. Wow. We get a ton of attachment identification. That's kind of where, you know, I have a little bit of expertise there. And so I handle a lot of those. Ruben handles the majority of the implant IDs and it, it really works out well that way. And I also want to give props to the group that handles the online chat. I love chatting with them. They're a lot of fun. They are able to provide great customer service without ever having to talk to anybody. And sometimes I need that in my day. And I think it's great. You know what? That's really been fun because there's a feature not a lot of people know about. And you don't see this on the back end. And uh, I call it the big brother feature where if I'm in the office and not on the road, I can watch every chat. And if I see someone going the wrong direction or not asking the correct question, you know, I can whisper to them real quick via the chat. And, and as the user, you don't see this, but on our end, I can whisper or I can give an answer. And it's not so much me looking over everybody or micromanaging, but, you know, we have courses for our customer service staff and we base a lot of these courses off the chats. Um, hey, what was the customer really asking? How can we handle this better? And it, it's it's been a great training tool for us. And the staff we have is fantastic. I mean, when I say they're committed, they really take it to heart when I say that phone's got to be answered by the second ring. You know, you've got to answer that chat within a minute. Um, I mean, there's it's important. Your time is money. You know, our, our dentist time is money. It's it's important to us. I love it. I think that's pretty obvious in uh, the amount of growth that you've seen. And I see you everywhere. I see you lecturing. You know, I see you at all the meetings. I see you involved in NADL and supplier of the year. What are you hearing out there when you go and you visit those trade shows and you talk to, you know, people in the lab industry? Is there fear? Are they growing? What are you sensing? What are you hearing? You know, it's interesting. Just going backwards for a second here. When I was growing up, my dad was on the road all the time. And I said, you know, hey, I'm never going to travel all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be home for my kids all the time. And as I started traveling, you know, years ago and getting to know more people in the industry, I, I mean, I, I tell people this that come into our company, you're never going to meet a better group of people than dental technicians. And I'm not just blowing smoke on that. I mean, it's some of my best friends in the world are dental technicians. It's the best people. And when I'm out on the road, I look forward to it. Hey, I'm going to see Elvis at the show, or I'm going to see Barb here. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I love to do is just ask a couple questions and shut up and listen. You know, you get to hear a lot, you know, well, what are people's, like you said, what are their problems? What are their concerns? And I think a few years back, a lot of folks were concerned about, of course, you know, uh, exporting work overseas, about chair side mills, things like that for the fixed. 
from what I've heard, there's been a lot of transitions and a lot of strategic movements on the fixed side. And, you know, you go back to 2008 and look at what happened then, you know, there was such a downward push from on the dentist side to lower prices. And, you know, you saw the price of alloy going up and then, you know, as businessmen, laboratory said, hey, we're going to get into CAD cam and zirconia. And I mean, I just tip my cap to the to the intelligence uh, of the folks running the, the business side of things. I mean, that was brilliant, you know, being able to, to grow during those tough times. And nowadays we are seeing and hearing a lot of growth on the fixed side. It's from the laboratories that have made that strategic movement to provide service, you know, to provide that technical support, to provide training. And if somebody's out there just marketing themselves as the $69 crown, as the $99 crown, I don't think that's a viable long-term business solution. Um, you know, we have a group of dentists coming out of school who, you know, with the pace of technology going on right now, they're not up to speed and they're looking for that laboratory partner. And I think it's a fantastic opportunity, you know, and I'm focusing on the fixed side right now to, to partner up and, and really work with your young dentist. And I'm hearing a ton of optimism on the fixed side. Um, and again, I think the laboratories that are, selling the service aspect are, are growing faster. I think it's been at least a decade now where the removable side has been, you know, constant growth. You know, when I talk to, to dentures, when I talk to removable laboratories, when I talk to prosthodontists, the general consensus I hear is I have more work than I know what to do with, or, you know, we're bursting at the seams with work, which, you know, th that trend's not going to stop. You know, you look at the supply, you look at the demand of the baby boomer, 65 and older, uh, one in three are, are missing teeth. Uh, you know, there's 40 million people right now that are edentulous. Only 6% have an implant supported or retained prosthesis. I mean, there's a huge demand for the products and services right now. And uh, removable remains really exciting. And one of the things I'm keeping an eye on is digital dentures. It's been fun to watch the growth there. I know when CADCAM came into fix, people concerned it was going to take jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my two cents on removable for what it's worth, and I could be wrong, um, you still need the knowledgeable technician to sit at that computer screen and design a case. You know, the curve of speed, curve of Wilson, things like that. I mean, a computer doesn't know that. So I think we might be able to utilize digital as a tool to increase production to make up for that lack in supply we're going to have very soon with the number of technicians retiring. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to put technicians out of business. I absolutely don't think so. Yeah. I was on a, a message board yesterday and a good friend of mine, Leon, was looking for a dental technician and we were all talking back and forth on how, here we go, you know, lack of technicians, lack of expertise. Well, you know, I, I definitely agree that it's a tool, completely agree that we need uh, both your brain and your hands and the technology all put together. And, um, you know, my concern also is, is that people are retiring and we have to replace them with somebody. So and also digital dentures is exciting. I saw Lee Cope talk about that. And he's like, I can't, you know, I can understand how to put it together and I don't have to know how to do like a physical denture, but I can do it on the screen and I can put it together digitally. And I was like, sure. damn, I bet I could do that. You know, <laughs> It was great. I think it was two episodes ago. You had a fantastic two part interview with Judy from LMT, who's one of the most wonderful people of the industry. And there was a report she and her team put out in 2015. And when I talk to dentists, I tell them the two things that scare me the most in our entire profession right now. 
and this goes back to Judy's report with LMT, is that by 2020, they estimate one in three technicians are going to retire. Wow. And all of a sudden, you're looking at that, and you're saying, wow, who's going to provide the parts and services? Yeah, that scares the heck out of me. And, you know, when I talk to dentists, I'll tell them, especially the ones right out of school, I'll say, don't listen to the practice management consultants. You know, your lab fee should not be X. If you really want to worry about that, give the patient two invoices, one for the lab bill, one for your services. But, you know, I tell, I tell the dentist, and I might not be popular for saying this, but I say find the best laboratory you can work with, the best technician you can find, and treat them like a king or queen. I mean, you, they are going to bail you out of more problems and more cases than you can ever imagine. Don't worry about paying an extra $20 a crown or $40 a denture. You know, find the best laboratory you can to work with and partner with. And, you know, that's the smartest thing you can do. You know, that's that's been another trend that's been fantastic to see is the respect that that has changed over the years towards the removable or the fixed technician. Mm-hmm. You know, it's awesome to see that because when we're talking about these big full arch, you know, implant supported and retained cases, you know, you have the oral surgeon, you have the restorative dentist, and you have your restorative technician. And, you know, a lot of the times the technician has more knowledge and they're the ones leading, you know, the team there. And, and it's fantastic to see the respect that is given to the laboratory community. Long overdue. Thank you so much. I, I, there's going to be 250, 300 listeners just right now uh, doing backflips for that statement. So thank you. <laughs> it's true. It really is. Yep. We've worked really hard for that, too, to attain that respect level. I've been in many, many conversations in my years as a dental laboratory technician to get that equal or respect level and to hear you say that you hear it and preach it. And I think that's awesome. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I see a lot of the times we used to be as a technician saving the day at the end, but I think they've started to finally realize if they bring us in from the beginning of a treatment plan, everything goes a lot smoother when we're there from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You, you think about the stereotypical, well, I shouldn't say stereotypical. If you think of the GP down the street, you know, he might see, you know, one or two implant cases a month. I mean, Elvis, at your laboratory and Barb at yours, you're probably seeing one or two an hour, yeah. if not yeah. a lot more than that. I mean, you you have the, the expertise for, uh, on that. Yeah, I agree with you. So I know that you guys at Preet are a huge supporter of our industry, giving regularly to the foundation, of course. Talk to me a little bit about, I know you did the race last year, you did the triathlon. What is your opinion on giving back and supporting the industry? How do you feel? You know, I know why you do it because you're passionate about it, but tell me a little more. How'd you get involved? You know, we've, we've always been supporters of the NADL and, and the Great interview. Oh, it was great. I appreciate Chris Boramis. Thank you for joining us. Everybody, join us next week for part two of Chris's interview, where he gets into a lot of great stuff. So come back and join us next week. You know, the last thing we want on Voices from the Bench is content that is just big advertisements. I don't want some schmuck on here trying to sell a product, but we're not against having vendors or companies on talking about their products as long as they're also educating and entertaining us and the listeners. So if anyone knows a vendor, a rep, or a company that is outstanding in their customer service and can educate our industry, please feel free to reach out to us at info at voicesfromthebench.com. Well done. That was good. I'd also like to thank the support from JDT Magazine, Journal of Dental Technology. Their latest issue, the June-July issue, and if you haven't got it yet, I know you will soon, They have a great article in it called The War on Talent. It's all about finding and hiring people for a dental laboratory. 
the magazine in the corner put a really nice check it out that references episode three and four of this podcast where we have a roundtable talking about the same topic. Cool. Thanks again to the staff of JDT. Thank you. And that's one of the reasons why podcasts are so great. At any time, all the episodes, current and past, are available to listen to whenever you want. So if you just now are finding out about Voices from the Bench, please go back and listen to all the past episodes. Just be kind. Barb and I had no idea what we were doing back then. Well, actually, we still don't know what we're doing, but we are getting better. Yes, God, I hope we're getting better. I'm assuming we're getting better. I think we are. (laughs) I think we are. I hope we are. I think you're beeping me out more. So as long as we're doing that, I guess we're good. (laughs) So Barb and I were recently interviewed for a podcast that is basically the podcast that influenced me to start Voices from the Bench. It's a podcast called The Dental Hacks. Two dentists got together to start a podcast many years ago. And I started listening to it. I just want the record to state that the one that interviewed us was quite handsome. (laughs) I'm sure Alan would appreciate that. (laughs) It's always interesting to hear a clinical perspective of our industry. I feel like it helped me communicate better with dentists after I listened to the Dental Hacks podcast. So I recommend everyone, after you listen to ours, to check out theirs. Go onto their website. There'll be a link on this episode's website. It's called The Dental Hacks Daily, episode 18. Barb and I are on there talking about voices from the bench and things dentists can do to make our lives easier. Which is in a positive state and not a negative state because we talked about the things that dentists do to make our lives a little crazy. Yes. We decided that we'd put a good spin on it. So it's the things that they can do to help us be um, better technicians, which is pretty cool. So definitely go check it out. Episode 18 of The Dental Hacks Daily. Remember, everyone, go to our Facebook page, hit like, hit share, tell your friends, go where you listen to your podcast and give us a review. We always appreciate it. Yes, we do. Thank you. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next week. Hasta la vista, baby. Bye. I always say I'm uh, Wojin rhymes with Trojan.